Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 89 for Monday, May 18th, 2020. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is my good friend, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, sir. And if you, dear listener, are interested in things like coffee, exercise, and beards, weird combo, you can get that at the Render Distance, which is the pre-show conversation that we have uh, before we record the show proper. And you can get that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks and join the, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 people that are here live listening to us record the show in the Discord. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we, we had a good old good old chat about beards. And how's your quarantine beard coming, folks? Let us know. Um, so this week we have kind of a light snapshot to talk about, um, which uh, works out well for us because this is the Chunk Mail Dispenser episode for May. We're going to be reading a bunch of emails that you guys have sent in. And thank you for keeping the emails coming. It's been fantastic to read some of your opinions about the Nether update that's coming up and Blackstone and various other things that we've been chatting about over the last few weeks. But... As regards Minecraft that's happening now, Joel, what have you been up to? So I am back into planning in the city. Uh, it seems strange because I've not even completed more than one <laughs> or two builds yeah. uh, in the city because the builds are just so big. But I find that, you know, you're working on a white concrete tower for so long. You're like, I kind of need, need a break from this. Uh, so I was working a bit on the waterfront boardwalk and planning that out. Uh, I'm quite happy with it, actually. It feels like the boardwalk that we have here in uh, on the Halifax side uh, of the city that I live in, which is great. However, uh, trying to come up with a way to do a railing or a guardrail on a 45-degree angle in Minecraft is tough. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's really, really tough. You can get away with them on angles if they're a lower angle because then you can do like three or four blocks in a row and then just, you know go over on an, uh, an angle by one and then do, the, do the next, you know, three to four blocks in a row. And it sort of works. Um, but with the design that I had originally made, uh, it was all at right angles and it looks good, but it does not work at all uh, on 45s because it involves walls and fence gates. Yeah. And yeah, so that, and that is a huge problem. If you yeah. want to, especially if you're trying to prevent mobs and stuff from walking through those fences because like two fences diagonally from each other will not stop a villager from walking through um which may not be a concern for you in this modern city if you're not gonna you know bring a bunch of villagers over and populate the town with them but mm. it still just breaks any sense of this is a barrier well <laughs> that that's the thing is right? the idea get, is like yeah. you know we don't want children to fall in the ocean so it's like well yeah. that doesn't look that looks very large for a small child so so that was the issue however because it is a modern city uh not even contemporary but like thinking kind of like almost a little bit futuristic uh, in terms of like the designs of things. Glass panes actually was the solution. It seemed really simple. Uh, and for now, it's what I've got. And because I use a connected glass pane texture, uh, the top part of the glass pane looks kind of like a metal thing. And then uh -huh. you've got the glass pane below it. So it does sort of look like a lot of like glass railings that you might see in a modern city boardwalk sort of design. Um, I am, however, curious as to what I'm going to be able to pull off when 116 drops and walls and glass have a different kind of connection. So I'm looking forward to playing with that. Until then, the glass wall seems to work just fine. And then every, I think every six or seven blocks, we have like a, a wood post that they connect to. So it looks like there's like a structure too. It's not just a glass zigzag. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, and then, like I said, I'm taking a break from building the white concrete tower of doom uh which is just taking i just I, I only feel like i can get away with that so many times on stream before i'm just like okay <laughs> i'm bored you're probably bored <laughs> let's uh -huh. go do something else yeah uh and i've wanted to make the city larger because i've noticed uh i kind of under anticipated if that's the right 
phrase, uh, how big some of these buildings are. And it's not feeling very dense. Uh, so I wanted to increase the, the density by adding another um, six or eight plots and another block to the city. Mm -hmm. And I did that by expanding and doing some planning. So we're doing this live on on stream and I had some nice compliments because I asked for some feedback in my personal Discord and people were like, no, 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 this is really cool. Because a lot of times you just see time lapses of people clearing an area and building a thing and you don't really get to see or hear the thought process that goes into this. And so this, this the last couple of streams this weekend was me removing a bunch of land, counting out some blocks, planning out roads, thinking about where a bridge is going to be and trying to think about what to do with a river that I want to move and a ravine that I don't want to move. I, right. Or I would prefer not to. I, I like the challenge of making your builds kind of incorporate the landscape because if, if a ravine existed in real life, chances are they wouldn't fill it in. Like you would probably build around it or just not near it at all. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so what I've decided to do is... uh the river almost connected to the ravine. And so I thought, well, if I push it, if I connect the river to the ravine, I could have these two huge waterfalls going down into this ravine. I could cut the river off on the other side and just turn the whole thing into a park, kind of like Niagara Falls in, in Canada. So nice. I thought, well, that's, yeah, so, it's, so I'm going to have these two waterfalls. It's, I mean, it is a metric ton of work. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> yes. It's a lot. Uh, but there, it creates this island. The two rivers will split. And, or the river will split, create this island where the two waterfalls go. And then I'm going to put a support piece for a bridge in, on the island so that your park is under the bridge, but between the rivers. And then the bridge is just going to go over. So it means I get to do a bunch of stuff. I get to do waterfalls at the scale, which I've never done. I get to design a really large park, probably with Cosmic's help because she's a flower monster. And uh, I also have to build and design and think about a modern bridge in minecraft so not a stone medieval bridge which everybody knows how to do <laughs> but yeah. i'm talking about like a a modern suspension bridge and i've already picked up some cool designs i don't want to copy anybody but i'm really tempted with some really cool um single suspension bridges so they're they're they've got some really interesting designs they're very white they're very unique and it creates a really cool thing on the landscape because they're quite tall in order to have the suspension reach the different parts of the bridge um, so I'm looking forward to that challenge. And that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, and then anecdotally, I was having some frame rate issues again on Sunday because I had updated to Optifine pre-17. Uh, so I rolled back to pre-13. And I'm curious, uh, for those of you listening uh, out there that uh, have been toying around with different um, versions of Optifine, uh, if you found that any are performing better than the other. I know you probably have. Are you still on 13? I think I am still on 13. I'm very much of the opinion that if nothing is breaking right now, then mm -hmm. I'm kind of good with it. I I, yeah. I take this philosophy with a lot of software updates where I'm like, well, the version I have right now works and there's always teething problems with like a recent update that they always have to put out like a, a point one release of or something. So yeah, it's it's good to hear if Optifine is giving you issues that I, I haven't updated at that point. But yeah, I think I'm still on pre-13. Whichever the version was that implemented shaders again, once those were working well, I just kind of stuck with that for the foreseeable future. And mm -hmm. yeah, as, as we've been saying in previous episodes, it, it's only one guy working on it. So who knows if it, the full thing is going to be out before 116 arrives at this point. But uh, yeah, we, we will see. Uh, going back to your, your waterfall thing, I love seeing waterfalls in Minecraft because it 
gets around the problem I have with water in this game in that rivers always spawn at sea level and all of the water is static, doesn't really like seem like it's flowing anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's all just at whatever, you know, Y63, whatever sea level is. And one of the things I would love for world generation to take into account, although it has waterfalls, it's just a water source in the side of a mountain somewhere. It doesn't really seem realistic as far as, you know, the structure of rivers and geology in the real world and how all of that works. So it's always great to me when people have, you know, taken that into account, taken their own initiative and found like a place where they can even if you don't have like a spring in a mountain somewhere for it to run down from if you've just got a river at a different height to the ocean immediately you're adding some interesting dynamic and some realism to your minecraft world that isn't there already uh so so that sounds super cool i'm looking forward to uh seeing it thanks man yeah it should be it should be a lot of fun uh, there's also some idea of adding like some hydropower next to it to try and make sense of it all and and add some more space for people to walk and so yeah i'm lo- I'm looking forward to it i'm not sure whether i'm going to cover up the river on the ocean side of the ravine uh or or push it so that it connects and that they both dump into the ravine it's like i'm not yeah. really sure if like because uh, i it, it might actually be beneficial to the city in terms of the density of the city to just be like all right well this river ends at the ravine and then the ocean and the other inlets are separate because right now they do connect um but if i pave them over uh, that that section of the river over, then it gives me like another six or eight plots for the city. So like, mm, I might I might be very tempted to do that. Plus, it would give a better access to the park from the city too, mm-hmm. um, because the bridge the bridge is going to be an interesting. It's going to be a tight fit, but that's good because I think it's going to make things feel a little bit more dense. Because I was thinking like, man, I, I want to give the bridge enough space, but at the same time, when I looked up pictures of bridges, like there are skyscrapers built right next to bridges. So uh, I think. I'm I'm a little bit too open-minded, if you pardon the pun, about my city. I need to kind of densify it a little bit. Um, but that's, I mean, that's it for me. You, you've obviously had a busy weekend, uh, obviously celebrating a, a birthday, as well as a big milestone on the Survival Guide. How did that go? It was great. Um, so for episode 300 of the Survival Guide, which, wow, um, I'm surprised that we ever got here, but I'm very happy that we have, of course. Uh, I decided to do something a little bit different, and... Uh, for the tour that I, I inevitably do every 100 episodes, I do a tour of the world, I decided to do a 360 degree tour because this is something you can do in the replay mod. You can export a uh, um, video that has 3D, uh, 360 degree uh, data injected into it uh, through a variety of ways. You can do stuff that is specifically for VR and is stereoscopic, or you can do stuff that is... Uh, compatible with YouTube's 360-degree video player, which is equirectangular. So the actual footage looks bizarre and distorted in kind of the same way that a world map is distorted, in a way. You know, the 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 because it's meant to be rendering it as a globe, it doesn't quite look like all of the, the countries are the right sort of size. But then when you load it into a YouTube player, you can use the arrow keys uh, or the WASD keys on a keyboard to look around. There are arrows on the screen that you can drag if you're watching it on a browser. If you're watching it on a phone, on a, a mobile device, you know, generally, like a tablet or a phone will do, uh, you can actually use it to look around uh, as though you are, you know, looking through a window into the world. 
and so I decided to give that a go. Some people pointed out that I should have done it for episode 360, which was originally my plan, but then <laughs> considering that Replay Mod wasn't developed for 115.2 for a while, I couldn't guarantee that it was going to be around when episode 360 happened for me. Right. And and I really wanted to do it for a for a world tour episode. So yeah, I learned a lot on on the uh on the go one thing i did learn uh sort of after the fact uh, at a point where i couldn't really salvage it was that you really need to render these things larger like it should have been at like 4k resolution minimum because uh when i was rendering the footage out of replay mod in 1080p it just wasn't very crisp at all and some people watching it in vr said yeah like unfortunately this is kind of too low quality for me to watch it in vr yeah, but, uh, I yeah. noticed that when I was watching it back and it was weird and that's only like the stuff that was in front of me was was perfectly high res, but it, it got lower res as it got farther away. Yeah. Like, and, so and you and what you were standing on when, when you were talking to me as I was the viewer would be a little bit, well, pr pretty, pretty pixelated. But then when I was looking down at the block that I was standing on or looking around with my uh, my iPad Pro, uh, everything looked fine in my immediate vicinity. It was, yeah. it was only when I was looking at something farther away that it was a little bit hard to see. Something that I, I noticed, and I'm wondering if you got this feedback, because, I mean, first of all, fantastic idea. I mean, you told me about it before, and I, we showed me some test footage and stuff, so I knew it was coming. But the end result, though, was really, really well done. I love the guided, like, I've plopped you in the world, and I'm going to walk around you and talk and stuff like that. So I watched it standing up. And uh, pro tip for people that are watching on, on a mobile device uh, there's no arrows on the screen, but you can still use your finger to pan or position your camera. Because I thought, oh man, I've started this on the desk. And then when I picked it up, I was like, oh, I don't want to look down all the time because the, the, the iPad was an angle. And it took me a second to realize, oh, I can walk around and look around and turn left and right with my body, but I can then use my finger to like pan up and down so I don't have to like look up or look down, you know, with the iPad too much. I can center my view at like a 90 degree angle. Um, yeah. And that was really cool. But I found it was so engaging that I just like, I was like, I was like, no, I want to walk forward. I just I, like, I remember feeling frustrated that my feet were stuck, not in a bad way, just kind of like in a, I wish I was there with you. You know, that's what it yeah. felt like. And that uh, was the, then, uh, the compromise I was trying to make in moving yeah. stuff around, which I know is really kind of motion sickness inducing for people, especially yeah. if they're watching yeah, in yeah. VR. I was kind of like, I can't just have everybody stuck in one place, but there's no way to do like a room scale VR equivalent right now no, where people can no. freely walk around in the space yeah. and just be too much it was really funny though because there was other times where it was i was perfectly fine with being still but then you would walk around and i would be socially i'd be just like well where'd you go i can't i'm listening to you but i need to, i need to look at you like you're talking to me i feel like rude not looking at you and i'd be like looking left and right where to go where to go where to go yeah <laughs> it was I, it was really engaging it was really cool I saw a bunch of people in the comments saying, I, I'm basically treating this as a game of find pixel riffs. Like I'm watching it the second time through and trying to like spot you in the distance. Because in some places with where I was in the town and there's so much stuff to look around and I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of warp people into the residential area where the houses are while I'm just standing in the middle of it all. Because with oh, Replay man. Mod, of course, it, it, it renders the environment effectively as your render distance is as a player. So basically anywhere within 24 chunks, I could have moved the camera there for the replay. So I did that while I was standing in the town. So I was on the roof of my blacksmith's guild, just sort of looking at all of the stuff around it. And that uh, that, that led to a few people just kind of turning around to see uh, yeah, where I was standing in relation to whatever it was they were 
they were looking at. And yeah, but some people said that, yeah, the quality wasn't the best and there's some stuff I could improve next time around if I do it again. But I think the takeaway was that a lot of people had a whole lot of fun with the experience. It was something they'd never seen YouTube do before, mm-hmm. even though I, I've seen a few 360 degree videos in the past, I think on, um, I think some people have done actual museum tours with a 360 degree camera uh, where they've gone around and done like a virtual tour or of an art gallery or something like that. And I've always wanted to do something like that in Minecraft. So it was a really fun experience and I would definitely uh, do a couple of things differently, but had had a lot of fun making it. Um, after that though, because that was a lot of work, it took hours just to render a couple of minutes worth of footage because of the amount of extra data that it had to put into the video clip that um, I spent three days just putting together that video. And after that, I was sort of wiped out as far as like objectives for the survival guide world for the moment. I have some more stuff uh, planned for upcoming episodes, but when I was streaming on the weekend, I just wanted to play Minecraft without an objective for a while. So I ended up just going caving and and then finished up a couple of um, redstone projects and stuff like that. Just carried on doing some more work on the the piston bolt railway I've built on the top of the Nether and. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun just playing Minecraft to play Minecraft instead of having stuff be working towards a specific video or an idea or having to do a time lapse build or something like that. And yeah, I I've not played Minecraft casually. It feels like for quite some time. So that's really what the weekend stream felt like, which was was pretty refreshing actually. Nice. Yeah, that I, my stream yesterday was like that. It was only two hours, two and a half hours, something like that. Pretty short by my standards and I was just mining out a section like I was just clearing it out making it flat and bringing it down to the right level and chatting with the chat room and stuff like that and it is it felt good to just be playing and be streaming but not like building anything and trying to design anything and like trying to make all these big heavy decisions to kind of turn your brain off and just kind of like explore yeah. there there's a huge uh mine shaft at the bottom of this ravine that i'm pouring the water into yeah and it was i I was almost tempted to go explore it yesterday like i almost want to go see what we've got for spawners and stuff down there because and i should because we spend enough time in the city and now that i'm in this area loading these chunks i should see what's down there and maybe be able to to get some stuff going because i um even even if i don't use it for like even if there's no spawners that we can use um i need a creeper farm in the city to produce gunpowder for tnt and for rockets uh and if i don't have to dig it out if because there's another underground ravine and if i can just use that to make a creeper farm i probably will because it means i don't have to dig out the hole (laughs) yes build build it in the giant space that's there but we need to go in and light it up and see what's going on i'm sure uh because we've lit up a lot of the top side that it's probably deadly (laughs) which could be a fun stream i guess if you if you're into stressful minecraft but yeah uh we can move on into the news this week which is going to be light uh because the uh, snapshot is uh heavy on the advancements but not much else this week uh we've got minecraft java edition snapshot 20w20a and 20w20b and you can find details at minecraft.net we'll have the link in the show note this week is a smaller snapshot focusing on ui additions for switching game modes and player achievements Uh, You can find the fixed bug for 20w20b right at the top where they basically just fixed a problem where servers would just not load. So if you were playing uh, the snapshot on a server, you just couldn't until they fixed it with 
W20B. So that's the only change in the B. Uh, new features in Snapshot uh, 20A include new F3 debug features, which allows you to switch the game modes with a traditional tabbing functionality. Think like Alt-Tab when you're going on computers. Hold F3 and tap F4 to open the switching menu. Tap F4 to cycle the highlighted game mode, or you can use your mouse. Release F3 to switch to the selected game mode. Your last game mode is remembered and will be the first selected option so that you can quickly toggle between two modes with a single press of F3 plus F4. I've been doing this a lot, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, that also brings a change to F3 plus N, which is a key command that will allow you to toggle between game modes. Now, F3 plus N will simply toggle you between spectator and your last game mode. So if you were in creative and you press F3 plus N, you'll just go back and forth between creative and spectator until you switch your primary mode to something else. There are new advancements, mostly related to another update. I won't read them all here, just in case people want to discover them on their own, or of course you can read them in the Minecraft.net patch notes. Technical changes again, we'll point out uh, that Minecraft.net has all these technical changes. They are usually uh, related to advancement triggers. Uh, same with the bug fixes, a lot of them are bug fixes with regards to advancements. However, there was one that I thought was worth noting, and that is throwing an enderpearl whilst mounted didn't teleport you, that's been fixed. So now when you're on the back of a horse and you throw a teleport, or a, a throw a enderpearl, you will be teleported to where that enderpearl lands as you would expect. Does the horse come with you? I don't think so. Yeah, I, that, that's an interesting way of dismounting a horse, I feel like, uh, and, and, and an, an immediate fix for the problem of when people end up in areas entirely made of fences and then they try and get off the horse and they're inside a fence and they're like well now i have to break a fence or place a block and then the horse gets out again and the comedy of errors begins but uh, yeah that'd be kind of funny if if you if you could teleport the horse as well <laughs> that'd be an interesting way of getting the drop on somebody um we have two other points of news this week both kind of short uh first of all the preview version 17 that joel mentioned earlier for optifine 115.2 was released on May 15th. This focused mainly on bug fixes. There is a full Optifine 115.2 changelog over at Optifine.net. And Mojang has been rebranding themselves to Mojang Studios. Uh, there is a YouTube clip and a bunch of Twitter activity all around this. Uh, celebrating Minecraft's 11th birthday, uh, which was incidentally the same day as my birthday, which if it's not fate, I don't know what is. Um, so if a refreshed name, a new logo, and these kind of um, digital gizmo type characters who are the Mojangs and um, it's kind of weird and I've gone back and forth on my pronunciation of the company for a while because Mojang is actually the Swedish word for gadget gizmo thingy. It's kind of used informally and they've explained this in one of their previous um, like Ask Mojang videos and I've been saying it with uh, the soft J, the kind of Swedish j that's sort of more like a y sound from english for a while but apparently the company name is mojang um so it's it's distinct from that and kind of maybe the americanized pronunciation of it but i believe internationally it is supposed to be mojang so yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> it's it's an it's an odd one anyway um there is a meet mojang studios uh blog post over at minecraft.net and we want to thank uh gundar h striker who's one of our content creator patreon members for uh the heads up in discord because it was it was great to point this out joel and i both missed this because we were busy over the weekend but um yeah kind of great to uh to to see that come through in the discord 
Yeah, I very much appreciate it. It's always nice when um, some of the hive mind can can say, hey, don't miss this, because this was actually bigger news. And bigger news than I was anticipating. I didn't realize that they were even... It was a complete surprise to me. I had heard no rumors of any kind of rebranding. But it makes sense, given that they're expanding into doing things like feature film, and you know, you got uh, other games maybe down the line, plus you got Minecraft Dungeons that's coming out soon. So um, yeah. that's, that's really cool. And Minecraft Dungeons is like a week from now, right? It's a week from tomorrow uh pretty much yeah i guess it's it's coming out may 26th so that is yeah eight days away now wow that's that's coming up faster than i thought somehow even though it got delayed it's it's super cool to see it uh coming out at this point so i'm not a big advancement hunter so the snapshot has not a lot of interest for me however i do like how advancements can sometimes be a little bit of an easter egg uh they're always very cleverly worded i find them quite amusing uh, so I did sort of skip over them uh, this week. I didn't. I was watching some videos and stuff. I kind of fast forwarded through them because I don't. I don't need the, the the Cole's notes about what every advancement is. I'd rather discover them on my own. Or yeah. if I decide to use the gameplay and go actually try to achieve some of these advancements, then I, I'd like to kind of read them and kind of do that in game and part of the you know part of the gameplay. Uh, are you going to deep dive the Nether update advancements on the survival guide? Uh, looking at what we've got there, I'm pretty sure that I will just come across that stuff anyway as a result right. of exploring the nether content on its own. Um, right. the, cool, the cool thing about advancements, they're kind of a twofold thing. For people who are looking for something to do, they are a way of steering that stuff you know, steering you in that direction. Like the challenges like bring a ghast to the overworld, for example. Uh, that's kind of fun. Um, but then uh, obviously the, there's there's a couple of things like that have been added in this uh, nether update uh, snapshot and will be in the, the full release of the nether update. Mostly I think that stuff is there to guide players who are not super in tune with what's going on with Minecraft, haven't been following the development and don't know what's coming up. Uh, people who've just been in the dark about the nether update entirely will then have a few things to guide them into what to expect and also where the key points of the update are because a lot of it is is going to be related to the new stuff there is one change to an existing advancement that kind of recontextualizes that uh, which is the serious dedication advancement is different now um, and once again i won't go into that for folks who um you know if, if you know what that advancement is then you might be interested to see how it has changed um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for the advancements. I think some of them might end up steering videos for me, might end up being the focus of the survival guide, but a lot of it seems to be stuff that I would just want to do an episode on anyway. So it's not like going to be an advancement hunting thing. It's going right. to be uh, more of just, I will acquire these over the course of natural gameplay. Um, the debug switching game modes thing seems cool. Um, it's not the way that I would think of it. There are so many different ways to switch game modes at this point. I'm so used to using commands. I'll probably just end up sticking to what I know, but it's good to know that, that functionality is there. Might make it more accessible for some people as a shortcut. Mm, I think it seems yeah. like a, a good change for sure. Now for me, I find it very appealing because uh, I we currently use uh, command blocks on the Citadel um, because not all players are OP. So uh, if you want to go into helicopter mode, you go into the helicopter pad in the, in the modern city and you press a button and you can take off and pretend like you're in a helicopter and then survey your, your giant skyscraper build without having to constantly fly around with um, rockets or use a slow falling potion to actually see the build and assess what you want to do. Um, however, uh, because I am OP, 
sometimes for illustrating it on the on the server i will or on the stream i will go and i'll actually use the button but other times i'll just type it in just like hey helicopter mode here we go uh yeah. and that's the only reason we use it it's just there's no blocks there's no placing there's nothing like that we just kind of use it to fly around however um when i play minecraft i have my keyboard quite far over to the left uh to kind of keep my hands kind of ergonomically aligned with the wasd and so then typing becomes this weird kind of like sideways, like both of my hands kind of like scooch over way to the right. And so to have like an F3 press and toggle between creative and survival uh, would be very handy, I think. Uh, I might even, if if they give you the option to remap those, I might put them something lower, you know, like something on the keyboard, like, you know, shift B or, you know, shift A or something. I'm not sure what I would do. Um, maybe not shift A, but like I would, I would maybe find something else that might be more convenient, but it makes sense, you know, like very similar to like, you know, command tab on, on a Mac or alt tab on, on a, uh, a PC. I like the idea of just like a quick toggle, uh, highlight the one that you want and then let go of both. And then the way you go, uh, I think it's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a, a good change. Uh, let's roll on into chunk mail because we have a lot of stuff to cover this week. We do. And speaking of a lot of stuff, I do have a little bit of a note for folks that are emailing into the show. Uh, I, first, I want to acknowledge, of course, that these kind of issues that come up uh, with the volume of email that we receive is a good problem to have. However, uh, if you l would like to email the show, the new email address, which is not so new anymore, is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, it's been up for a month. We no longer uh, are reading emails that are sent to the old email address. So if you want to be on the show, uh, then spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, the only thing we use the other email address for is just business. So we've separated that out. So please use the new email address. We don't delete anything because, you know, some people are listening to older episodes and on those older episodes, of course, we're mentioning the other email address. But moving forward, we'd like to stick to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Tell your friends. Uh, please do not put your entire email in the subject line. Those we will just delete. That's just really frustrating. Uh, it becomes a real pain in the butt. Uh, and lastly, lastly, um, if you would like your email to be read and considered for the show, I'd like to ask you to please take the time to write it properly and proofread it for spelling and grammar before you send it in. Uh, there's been a number of emails that have just been really hard to understand, despite what is obviously a thought and, and the, the willingness to write in and, and contribute, which is great. Uh, but it's really frustrating to have to kind of parse through lengthy emails that are very, very difficult to read. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about the folks that are struggling with a few words or phrases because English is a second language here. I applaud that effort. I barely speak English, as you can tell. So... Uh, people that are writing in, in in English as their second language, that's fine. I'm talking about writing entire emails with no periods or capitals, like that, that kind of stuff. We're just not going to consider it because it just becomes too much work for us. But for those of you that are emailing the show with fantastic ideas, like the folks that we have coming up this show, thank you very much. Keep the emails coming. Send them to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. And this first one comes in from Paul C uh, with the subject of a woodcutter. It says, hey guys, I was playing Minecraft listening to episode 88 the other day when something occurred to me. When you're making stairs out of wall, uh, stairs or walls out of any stone, you can do that with a stone cutter. What about wood? What do you think about Mojang adding a woodcutter to the game that would cut wood into fences, stairs, etc.? Uh, thanks for the great podcast, Paulbo Baggins. <laughs> That's a great username. Thanks, Paul, for the, uh, <laughs> for the email. Um, I'm going to head over to the side of thinking about it from mojang's point of view here um and i think they want to avoid moving too much crafting functionality away from the crafting table uh, it's kind of seen as an icon of the game at this point and wood seems like a material much more suited to the kind of workbench vibe 
than stone is. Um, I can understand the need for a woodcutter if it had the same functionality as a stone cutter because it makes it much more convenient to make like only one or two stairs or slabs at a time instead of six, which is the default crafting recipe, or, or four in the case of stairs because you end up uh, using six blocks to get four of them, which is the other advantage to a stone cutter in that it's a one-for-one -one exchange. You put six blocks in, you get six stairs out. Um, but I think they're probably steering away from adding wood to it because for a start there is a ton you can do with wood outside of crafting it into block variants like slabs and stairs, but also uh, I think it might just be one step too far away from the crafting table and they want the crafting table to remain at the core of the crafting experience. How do you feel about this one, Joel? So I really like the idea, but I think, as you said, it comes into some existing, you know, gameplay features that they don't want to contradict. Yeah. Um, I feel like the stonecutter being a profession block, adding a woodcutter block, which suggests that they would also need to add another profession, like say a carpenter, uh, uh -huh. which I would be all for. Like, I, I'm not saying that's bad because um, do we have a villager that we can trade with for wood right now? I don't think we can. We do. The The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is I think either Fletchers or Fishermen will trade you for sticks. Right. Uh, I think it's Fletchers because sticks are a component of arrows. So right. th that is the only wooden item I think that gets traded. You can't trade like fence gates or buttons or trap doors or something to anybody, to my knowledge. Yeah. So I think a woodcutter block would be good if you only get things that you get from planks, like stairs, slabs, doors, trap doors, buttons, etc. Or maybe turning logs into planks that kind of stuff would make sense uh, but fences and fence gates are crafting recipes and i i know that mojang doesn't want um auto crafting right so i would imagine that trap uh, fences and fence gates would be something that you would still need a crafting table for uh, i like how the stone cutter gives you the option of like well if you don't have a stone cutter or you just didn't bring one you can still make stairs on a crafting table but there's a cost there it's not as efficient however if you use the stone cutter it's more efficient i think that would be a, a good way to do it with with stairs you know the appeal of a wood cutter block would be well you put in one block you get one stair if you don't have a wood cutter block well you have to use the crafting table it still works but it costs you extra material which i think is kind of cool it's, it adds a little bit of gameplay to it i've not yet been able to incorporate the stone cutter into my routine have you do you, do you find yourself bringing a stone cutter with you a lot of the time yeah, it's in my utility chest. It's in my utility shulker box. Um, I have a couple of them. Not only I have a couple of them basically because I keep on forgetting it and building another one. And then it's like, okay, no more. You now have a permanent home in my ender chest. Um, and the reason for it is because of the sheer amount of stone stairs and slabs that I have to make for the uh, city, the sidewalks. Sure, yeah. And when you're when you're dealing with andesite or some other stones that are harder to find, like granite, and you're uh, I say harder to find, but like they're certainly less more less frequent than stone. And you're trying to cut the stairs for curbs and buildings and stuff like that. Getting a one to one ratio saves you a lot of time in the long run when you're building huge areas. So uh, I, I would imagine also for people that are building like really ornate castles and stuff, they're probably pretty convenient. Uh, so yeah. I use the stone cutter quite a bit. Um, if, however, we had a villager that was a carpenter and those trades that the villager had would be for things like fences and fence gates or potentially even doors and trap doors if you couldn't do those on the woodcutter then that would kind of alleviate the the issue of like auto crafting right um i think that's pretty cool it's similar to how you can get like a quartz block or a quartz pill pillar which is a crafted item from 
uh, a stonemason. I guess the only difference is that those don't require more than one item. Is there anything that you can get from villagers in the game that is a combination of more than one item? That's like, a I guess good question. Fishing rods, because that's string and sticks. Yeah, stuff like bows. Uh, the yeah. um, any kind of tools, I guess, are yeah, tools. But uh, but no blocks that I'm aware. Can you get? No, you can't get dark prismarine from anybody. I'm just trying to think if there's any complicated blocks. I guess I, bricks. Can you get like stone bricks, or is it only clay? Uh, I'm trying to think of what the stonemason has. I'm getting the Wikipedia open now because mm -hmm. I'm curious about this. I guess like glazed terracotta is an interesting one. That's something that you can get from stonemasons. Right. Um, and things like chiseled stone bricks, they sell you the polished variants of the decorative stone, and then quartz pillars, I suppose, is the other yeah. one that would need two quartz blocks to combine them. But but they're yeah. always the same material. Like it's not. I guess the only thing that that would be different there is that is that the glazed terracotta requires fuel. So like you technically are putting coal into the block, you know, like in terms of like the consumption of other materials. So there is more than one thing that's needed to make glazed terracotta. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, so and there, the, I mean, there's some precedent for it, I guess. The stonemasons will only sell you, I think, two variants of glazed terracotta, or maybe like right. one or two max. They have a couple of expert level trades that will will pop up there. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you have to do a significant amount of work to get all of those available to you, versus just gathering some uh, terracotta yourself, dyeing it, and then throwing it in a furnace. So there's there's an interesting trade off there. I think the gameplay still stays quite balanced. But uh, yeah, a woodcutter could be in Minecraft's future at this point. We don't know what the future holds at this stage, but uh, maybe one day we will see one. Thanks, Paul, for that email. Once again, that was a uh, an interesting one. Next email comes from Norium Retlaw. Uh, I love Blackstone. That's what Norium says, not not what I say. Uh, <laughs> so it's like putting words in your mouth already, John. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Uh, dear Johnny and Joel, uh, in your recent podcast, you pointed out that you don't like Blackstone because you don't really know how to use it in your builds. You also said that the different types of Blackstone are not clearly visible and you therefore can't really tell the difference between the blocks. I love Blackstone in all its variants. However, I agree with you that they are very similar and that they should be a little bit more versatile. I know exactly what I will be doing with these gorgeous new blocks and I really can't wait for another update to finally come out. I want to use Blackstone to make sharp cliffs in the evil side of my medieval island kingdom. I play on bedrock and I have a wither trapped in bedrock blocks as part of my tree farm. So the sky always goes dark on when you enter that side of the island. That's really cool. I didn't know that about bedrock. Does that happen in Java too, Johnny? I don't believe so, but I haven't fought the wither on the surface for a while. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. sure. Uh, I think that Blackstone is a fantastic addition to the stone types we currently have. Would you like to have more stone types in different, maybe unique colors? For example, some stone with green or even a blue tint or other gray tones would you like to see? How do you think new stone types could be implemented? Thanks so much for the email, Dorian. Really appreciate it. Yeah, um, I think this is an interesting point where raw blackstone, the, the sort of, you know, unpolished, unbricked blackstone is actually probably my favorite of the new blackstone stuff that we have i think it's best viewed from a distance because i still find the texture kind of noisy but the, the example that you've given in this email of using it as a like a natural cliff formation makes the most sense to me from what i've seen of it the cliff idea does sound like a good use for it um i'd like to put some basalt and blackstone in my mountain build now 
just to see how much they stand out because I spent some time detailing sections of the mountain adding cyan terracotta and grey concrete powder and stuff like that and then I took a step back and in the grand scope of the project which is pretty large it's about 400 blocks wide and you know 100 150 blocks tall in places um th those blocks are virtually indistinguishable from ground level uh from natural stone so you know when you're looking at it at a distance you really need to have a higher contrast to be able to pick up that there is anything different there which i think blackstone might actually be quite good for uh and so i kind of wonder if maybe it's going to be better used for natural landscaping stuff when viewed at a distance and as a higher contrast material to stone if you want that kind of effect where you're not going to be able to see the detail of a stone block next to an andesite block because they're so similar and you don't get to see them up close and you know the texture is right in front of you but if you get really close to blackstone i feel like that's where it starts to break down a little bit um i'm less convinced by blackstone bricks um they might be good to make an evil tower kind of setup but I, I feel like a lot of the time blackstone is just like if you want to denote evil just build it out of a black variant of whatever the you know the gray or white variant is that you would build the good stuff out of it's kind of you know it's it's very kind of child good versus evil kind of uh mm -hmm. storybook style builds but that works for minecraft because it's a cartoony style game um but i think there's too much texture to blackstone when viewed close up uh, for it to be used in the same way that we use stone and stone brick, which are fairly flat textured. They don't have a whole lot of detail in it. And I think when stone was in danger of becoming more detailed, when we were still working with the beta versions of what became the new default texture pack, we were speaking out against that on this podcast. I'm not sure how much of that made a difference and how much was the general feedback of the community. But when there were more noticeable stripes and lines in the stone texture, that's when we started liking it less. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of high contrast thing is something that is difficult to work with if you're trying to build something that is viewed from very close up. So Blackstone is starting to win me over in the context of it being as far away from me as possible, which I promise isn't quite the uh, the slight <laughs> on it that I, uh, I, I I sound like. But yeah, I'm I'm still waiting to be convinced by Blackstone. I think it's just a matter of me getting my hands on it and trying more stuff with it really yeah uh, how about you joel how are you feeling about blackstone these days well and this is the thing i want to be clear to address something that um may have been a little bit of an exaggeration in our in our previous conversations it's not that i can't think of stuff to do with blackstone i can think of stuff to do with blackstone i just find that that stuff is just such a narrow scope um because it's great for roof shingles i did a little test build the other day i was messing around in a, in a snapshot uh and and doing some like i think i was getting ready for taking screenshots for the show last week or something and i was just you know uh, waiting for something to render and i um i built like a little five by seven shed and put like asphalt singles on it looks fine it looks fine uh but like you said not if you're right on top of it uh and also i don't think it works very well for huge areas like if you wanted to add some sort of texture to it to vary up the different types of blackstone, all that effort would be lost because you just, you really can't see much of a difference. I think the only one that stands out from others is the polished version of blackstone. You can, because it has like a highlight border on it, you can kind of see when you've got it in there. But, but yeah, I feel like there are some, some definite, you know, use cases for like creating big black spikes and structures and some larger things, um, when you're going to be using it for that way. Um, I just think that it could be more more versatile. Um, I wish I could use it for roads. I would love to use it for for asphalt roads because 
it's got slabs and stairs. And one of the biggest problems I have in the modern city, and one of the things I don't like about Minecraft city builds in general, is that generally when you have to have a road go up or down, your steps are meter chunks of full block increase or decrease in height. Uh, unless you switch to a block that allows you to have a slab or you have a custom texture pack in which your roads are made of something that's slabbed and then you've just changed that to be a different texture. That's one of the things I'm going to have to do uh, in my modern cities. We're gonna change the texture of endstone brick slabs to be yellow terracotta so we can have yellow lines that go up and down the roads. Because uh -huh. yeah. what I've decided to do in the city is that when we go up and down a slope, we're switching the pavement, which is currently uh, gray concrete powder texture, to stone because the new stone slabs that came out in 114 i think um allow us to go up and down slopes a little bit more gentle and it looks a little bit more believable it's still chunky still looks like a minecraft build but it doesn't it doesn't look as as stop gappy as as say going up a full block yeah um so yeah i, th I think that blackstone does have some applications uh but i think that with the bricks like when you start to move into blackstone bricks polished and cracked i think like you said they should lean more towards what we currently have with stone bricks just darker and i and i think that that would make them a lot more versatile um because like we said the, the texture is really noisy compared to other things that we've got in the game and it's it's almost like the lessons that were learned were unlearned if that makes any sense again that sounds like a slight i don't mean that it's, it's more of a a way to try and communicate how i feel about about the texture yeah um, we we have had a lot of email related to our opinions about blackstone from folks who basically said i disagree and that's absolutely fine we're allowed oh, to yeah. have disagreements here that's a, a diverse community full of people who have loads of different building ideas and it's been great to hear from those people i think what we want to communicate from this show is not that we really dislike blackstone and we're just going to boycott it because we don't like it it's not that at all joel and i are both builders and we love doing stuff with interesting blocks and pushing our boundaries when it comes to that stuff i think our expectation from any kind of black block that had stairs and slabs to go with it was going to be well this is going to be really great for roads and now that we're given something that we don't feel like fits our idea of that it's a readjustment period right now um and i think really what we're what we want to communicate on this show is not that we dislike the block itself uh, or that we think that the effort put into it has been wasted. It just feels to us like a missed opportunity for it to be used the way we expected it to be used. And I think once we get over that and once we're able to play around with it a little bit more, it will find its niche in the wider scheme of the stuff that we build. It's just not the niche we expected it to fill first time around. Yeah, well, wider niche, right? I mean, we're, I, was, I was hoping for more versatility. From yeah. a lot of the nether update blocks, which I think is, is important. Um, if we're thinking about uh, missing blocks, uh, to address another question in the email, uh, darker gray tones of stone. Uh, I recently did a large mosaic of a compass rose in the city, and I did a huge grayscale to help me out with it. It was a great tip from uh, Gemini Tay, who we had in the show a couple weeks ago or a month ago now, uh, in that... Um, create a gradient and then that way you can choose blocks that you know you can adjust and, and use for this gradient and the biggest thing that i noticed when i did that gradient was that there are very few blocks in the 75 percent gray area uh like three you know there's gray terra gray concrete there's uh gray concrete powder and one other block i don't remember what it is I like think maybe cyan terracotta cyan, cyan terracotta maybe yeah but yeah like everything else uh after that just goes straight to black or you're at a 50 percent gray with like stone 
stone blocks, stone bricks, that kind of thing. And basalt um, has it kind of on the outside of the texture, but it's much lighter towards the, much the center. Lighter. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually, and I was building with 115 stuff at the time. So I wasn't looking at, at sure. any of the new blocks. Um, but yeah, so I would like to have more things in the 75% gray. And actually, that's one of the things that I, I mentioned uh, in, in my notes here was that I wish that basalt had more of that 75% gray tone. I uh, wish it was less wood-like, more stone-like, and was a little bit more of a 75% gray. Uh, even if it was one of the variants that that had that option, I think that would be that would be better. Um, Blackstone, I don't think it needs to be gray. I, 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 in terms of how black it is, that's fine. You know, it just it's just uh, you know the other details that we were a little bit you know on the fence about. Um, and as far as colors, I actually prefer the grays in the game to stay neutral because again, it allows them to be more versatile. I've actually created a custom texture for my gravel. It's really subtle, but I've re removed the purple hue out of gravel. Uh, so it matches, in my opinion, a lot better with the other gray blocks in things like paths and walls and things like that. So you can mix in gravel with stone, cobble, stone bricks, uh, even um, gray concrete powder. Light gray concrete powder is a little bit warm, but it still works. Uh, it looks like a shiny rock. It kind of works with andesite. Um, but the the gravel when they re redid the textures became quite purple and i wasn't a fan and so uh it's subtle i've changed nothing else i just basically brought it into photoshop and just reduced <laughs> the saturation mm -hmm. until it looked looked proper gray um so yeah so when it comes to like adding stones that have hues that are just slightly this or slightly that i don't think if you're going to go with a, a a colored block i think you kind of have to look at the other blocks in the game and try to come up with something that fits it. Like, for example, if you wanted to have a green stone or you wanted to have a blue stone, I would take a look at things like lapis and blue concrete. And I would take a look at things like uh, mossy cobble and um, they're not really green. I guess dark prismarine is kind of green, but like the turquoisey blocks in, in um, prismarine blocks and try to come up with something that's unique and far enough away from stone that it actually matches the, those other blocks. Because when I was doing this, mosaic uh, on stream i started with very bright blocks i wanted to make a nice bright compass rose in the downtown and i quickly stopped because i ran out of gradients like i would just i had three different colors in this one palette and until i switched to gray which i had 16 different colors or 16 different tones um i was able to work with it a lot better so i i prefer my stone blocks to be on the gray side yeah there was a really great uh limestone texture that you could find in a mod pack and i can't remember what it was now i mean it's probably one of those mods that just turns up everywhere like biomes are plenty or something like that but having a slight green tint to that is is kind of nice and it's it's like an earthy brownie green kind of color that i feel like isn't necessarily super represented elsewhere in minecraft right now i'm not mm -hmm. sure what i would use it for again but i'm just thinking in terms of like the the sort of stuff that you'd find in the natural world that to me makes a little bit more sense and would be a lower contrast in caves than just finding a patch of diorite and having gray immediately transition into that speckled black and white yeah. uh so so there's there's some interesting stuff to be found there but mod packs obviously you know can can solve a world of hurt when it comes to block choice so it's uh, kind of difficult when you get into discussing that stuff versus vanilla Let's move on to the next email. This one comes in from Max F regarding new features. It says, hi, Johnny and Joel. Absolutely love your podcast. It gives me all the updates and you always make me listen to the new stuff. Uh, you always make listening to the new stuff fun. Uh, I have a couple of questions. One, if you could modify Piglin Bastions in any way possible, for example, design blocks, etc., what would you do? 
And two, if you could add a new feature to the game, what would it be? Stay safe and keep being the best, Max. Thank you for the email, Max. Um, starting with the Bastion question, we've talked about this, I think, on a previous episode, but I would love to see piglins using more material from the nether around them uh, than just uh, Blackstone, because Blackstone is everywhere in these fortresses. There is a little bit of gold around there, and I think the basalt that's used in there is meant more to look like the blackstone has kind of decayed and been eroded by the nether over time than it is uh you know really a structural block that the piglins would have used but i think it makes a lot more sense that they have supports i mean even in in you know castles in the real world the entire thing is not necessarily made out of a, a solid chunk of stone there are wooden supports inside beams and props and even furniture and stuff like that is going to be made out of that kind of stuff. So I think it would be kind of nice, and maybe this is something players can do and we'll see the results of once people are more into the Nether update, but we might end up seeing players uh, retrofitting Bastions with a bunch of those blocks that I think would really enhance the feel, at least of the inside of a Bastion, if not just if not the outside as well. What do you feel about the design of Bastions, Joel? We've talked about this in previous shows, of course, but yeah, in the context I mean, I of this email. I, I agree with you. I think that it's it's weird that there's not more things from around the nether. Like, piglins live in crimson forests. How are they not using crimson forest blocks in their, you know, piglin bastions? Uh, and I think, I guess, I guess the answer to that question is probably because they're supposed to be remnants. And I think that's the thing that I would change. Like, to, to, to move away from just, like, you know, more blocks and texture talk. Uh, I think the first thing I would change about bastions is remove change them from being remnants and change them into being fully built new bastions that the piglins live in um i think that a unique silhouette is one of the main things that they're missing and because right now they're just jumbled boxes in in my opinion so if they're being built and they're new and they're not torn down i think they would have clearer silhouettes you'd be able to see them from a distance you would be able to distinguish them quite easily from um from nether fortresses uh and, and i think that would go a long way in the same way that villages are complete but inspire the player to do better i think that piglin bastions could maybe have the same role in that you know here is what the piglins are current living currently living in they're pretty simple how would you make them better player well you know have at it you know have some fun with that uh and i think that uh, another fun little thing would be um having some bastions under construction so rather than being old and ruined and falling apart Maybe they're half built. Maybe they're on their way up. And what does that inspire the player to do? Could they make a piglin construction site? I would like to know what that looks like, uh, especially if it means that the piglins would hang around. You know, like if you could see piglins moving around and, and staying in that area and make it kind of alive. You know, like one of the things that we have, uh, you know, a problem with when you're building big cities and big structures and stuff in Minecraft is that unless you populate it with villages or villagers, then it's pretty empty. Right. So if you could if you could renovate piglin bastions and then still have piglins moving around in them and have them look like current builds uh, and alive builds rather than remnants, I think that might add more gameplay to them. So I, I would flip them from remnants. That would be my my initial feedback. Here is an interesting question, and it's not one I expect you to answer. It's more of an open question for people to think about. Are the piglins the ones who have built the bastions in the first place? Mm -hmm. Because in Blackstone, you have that one block that's chiseled, polished Blackstone bricks, which has the piglin snout design on it. I don't know how much that features in bastions themselves, but it strikes me as odd that piglin civilization has flourished if it is supposed to be as prominent in the nether as it is 
and yet their homes are kind of ruined. If they are the ones who built them in the first place, has their civilization regressed as a result of being in the nether? Were they always in the nether and that's just, you know, the standard of housekeeping they keep? I'm not entirely sure, but I, I find it kind of interesting to imagine that these are remnants because there was some previous civilization that existed there, the same civilization that is hinted at in the name of the ancient debris block that kind of suggests piglins may have invaded these things and the destruction inside bastions is a result of piglin invasion and they just kind of hang out there now. But then everyone thinks of them as piglin bastions. So mm. it, it's, it's kind of strange that nothing else has been hinted at with regards to whether the piglins built the bastions in the first place. Then again, if you look at one of the bastion designs from a certain angle, it does look like it has kind of a pig face with a snout on it. So yeah. if they are the ones building these things, then how have they let them fall into ruin? It is an interesting question. And like you, I kind of wish that we were seeing bastions fully formed and maybe with a little bit more variance in how they are constructed because from the outside they feel very cuboid and i think that contrasts well with nether fortresses which are a series of towers and connecting walkways and crossroads and have a very uh, labyrinthine feel to them from the outside whereas bastions are closed off and only have that labyrinthine structure once you get inside of it itself which can be kind of disorienting so it works on one level but on the other really doesn't look very attractive from the outside um, so i think having some sense of like there being other structures bolted on beyond just the thick walkways that they have right now having little kind of offshoots and and things that allow you to travel around the structure a little bit more and make it look a little bit less flat and plain from the outside would probably mm -hmm. work better for me um aside from yeah throwing in some more color um the second part of this email was an, a question about new features and i have the usual answers i will throw out there things like colored lighting and stuff like that but i'm having a hard time thinking of new features this close to an update perhaps because my whole focus right now is shifting towards how i'm going to use the stuff that's coming up in 1.16 so i don't really have a great answer for the if you could add a new feature question how about you joel actually we talked about this just uh, i want to say it was friday night on a stream and uh, we were just talking about I did like a Q&A thing when somebody asked me about the nether update, like, what would you like to see added? And we came up with nether goop. And I'll explain. I mainly, I just <laughs> please, wanted to say, please I, do. I just wanted to say nether goop on the podcast, really. That's the whole excuse. Uh, but um, basically, what I feel is missing from the nether for me and why I don't want to play there more is water elevators and water transport items and things like that like if you have to do any kind of big storage system or something like that in the nether you have to use hoppers uh i guess you could use hopper mine carts and stuff to move things around but like you just it it's not as cool and as convenient there's no uh easy way to go up and down elevators you know in in the nether unless you want to take fire resistance potions and swim up lava so having a light emitting flowing liquid in the nether that allows for item transport perhaps slower than water so it's you're you're penalized like you're not getting the exact same thing you're not getting water in the nether uh but having something that would allow you to move items around without destroying them would be really really cool the idea of adding light to it just as lava emits light i think it would be kind of neat to have a lower light emitting fluid in the nether uh it would also feel 
alien and weird. Can you imagine like bright yellow or bright green or turquoise like slime coming out of the walls in the nether? You know, you're, ta- <laughs> you're talking about waterfalls earlier about how Minecraft just kind of like pokes a hole in a stone cliff and puts a water source block there and calls it a waterfall. Well, that would actually kind of work, you know, in the nether. They do it with lava now. You'll be walking along and there's just this lava flow coming from nowhere. Like I feel like having this, you know, green slime flowing from the ceiling, you know, like the ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would be awesome. It would add some color to the nether, which we're getting. Uh, it would look really cool in something like a, a warped forest. Um, it Maybe it changes color. Like maybe when it's, you know, only in certain biomes, like maybe it's yellow when it's in crimson forests or green when it's in, when in warped forests, that kind of thing. Um, however, if you wanted to make it feel a little bit more dangerous, perhaps it's poisonous to the player. So similar to like it being bit by a poisonous spider or, you know, having the wither effect, you know, if you step in this stuff, then you get a, a poisonous effect. So you don't light on fire and it doesn't destroy your items, but you can't really swim in it. Uh, so it could be used to move items, but maybe it's not the best to to swim up and down in. Or it works if you have enough health and it doesn't kill you, right? So if you're, if you're only in the, the bubble column for a, a minute, then, or, you know, or a few seconds, then it's not the end of the world. I just like the idea of having some sort of slime. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, some you know something at a speed between lava and water, brightly colored, light emitting. I think it'd be great. The 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 the, the player you know damage thing. I'm I'm on the fence about. Maybe maybe I like that. Maybe I don't. It would maybe be fun for mob farming, but then again, like I don't want to create another OP situation that we had with Wither Roses. So, I I'm I'm imagining now you starting some kind of game show where you're sliming people with this stuff in their kind of uh, those 80s 90s game shows that always just yeah. involve people being dunked in goop uh yeah yes exactly that's the that's the vibe of the nether in joel's imagination awesome stuff uh nice. let's move on to our last email this is going to be potentially a bit of a longer discussion but we'll see if we can keep it brief Sure. This comes from Death by Koopa. I suspect a Mario fan. Uh, and the <laughs> subject is the darkness. Hi, Spawn Chunks. Brand new listener here. Since being stuck at home, I recently dove back into Minecraft and discovered your podcast. It's been a delight having it on in the background while working on my base on a small server with friends. I have recently come across a building predicament and I had an idea for a potential remedy that Mojang could implement and uh, in the upcoming Nether update. I wanted to build a dark basement smelting room that lights up via the furnaces and a few lava dispensers. However, I quickly came to realize that having a mostly dark room is not an option in survival Minecraft as hostile mobs will fill the room when left unattended. Seeing as how hoglins are scared off by the new warped fungi, I thought it would be cool to craft a device that prevents all mobs from spawning within a certain radius of it. Maybe it's crafted using fungus or instead of using fungus as fuel or what do you guys think? Uh, do you have any other ideas for a way to build a dimly lit room in survival? Perhaps there's already a method in vanilla I'm forgetting about. Thanks so much for the show. Death by Koopa. Uh, thanks so much for the email. Great, uh, great discussion. And I want to point out that we have had a similar discussion on the show before. Uh, perhaps if you're a new listener, as I think you might be, go back to episode number 29 of the Spawn Chunks. It was recorded uh, last year in March. And uh, we talked about uh, a video from CubFan135, who had a, a video on YouTube about uh, the problem with lighting in Minecraft. Now, he he goes on in the video to say that it's not a complaint. It's more of like a constructive criticism and an, an analysis video of the current lighting situation. Uh, now, 
at that time, we didn't have campfires and we didn't have a number of other new lighting sources that we have, uh, as well as the new stuff coming in 1.16. So the conversation is a little bit dated from a little over a year ago. However, we did cover things like beacons, mega torches, and adding glowstone to other blocks to make them light sources. So we've covered that in that episode. So we'll try to move, I guess, forward from here uh, in terms of the discussion. But uh, this actually came up uh, on my stream a couple of weekends ago as well, because we're having the same issue in the city, in the city where I don't want to just light everything or put carpets and stuff like that uh, in the middle of my roads. So as a result, my roads are giant mob, mob farms and I, we just kind of deal with it. Um, one of the things that uh, I can, however, answer before we get into the larger discussion about your email, for me, uh, I would say, uh, with what I've done in the nether in my particular situation, uh, because I don't want zombie pigments spawning in my nether hallways, uh, a lot of the time, by design, I've chosen to have a glass floor, usually with a light under it just to kind of make it look cool. Uh, if that's something that you can do in your in your basement smelting room, maybe black glass over a dark block like coal or black concrete, you might not even notice the glass is there depending on how much time you're spending in that room. Uh, or it might actually look really cool to have glass on the floor, uh, especially if you can get shaders going, you might be able to see some reflection of all this fire and light from the lava. Um, but either way, mobs can't spawn on glass. So that would be one solution to have a very dark room that only lights up when you turn on your furnaces. Alternatively, of course, there are things like slabs, carpet, leaf blocks, etc., that also prevent mob spawning. Although I don't know if that's gonna be friendly to your design. And if you don't have fire took turned off on the server, then you know things like um, slabs and carpet and stuff are just not gonna be, uh, depending on, well, wood slabs. You'd be limited to the, what you could put down there, depending on whether you got fire tick turned on or, or on or not uh johnny how would you handle the, the dark room uh yeah i've done this kind of thing myself with the stronghold portal room in the minecraft survival guide world where i built a box entirely out of black concrete to kind of simulate the dark void of the end because i was restyling the portal room to look like a bunch of the floating end islands and i did exactly what you just suggested the whole thing is black concrete the bottom uh, section the floor is just covered in black glass which you really can't see uh, from where you're standing when you enter the room and it really does make sure that the mob spawns are down i still hear zombies occasionally but they are in the corridors of the rest of the stronghold which is boxed out by the room that i enter and you, yeah you don't tend to see it unless you are lighting stuff up at floor level and because it's suspended in the middle of the room, you don't really look down all that much anyway, because I'm just going through to the nether portal at that point, the, the end portal at that point. So, yeah, I, I can see myself building a lot of glass floors in the new nether update if I want to spawn-proof stuff, especially with piglins and zombie, pig, uh, zombie piglins spawning everywhere. Um, there are lots of transparent blocks. You, you can slab stuff. You know, there are... Naturally, there are options for that, and it's always going to be a compromise between design and functionality there are so many ways to disrupt mob spawning but they almost always result in a design compromise leaf blocks are another good example for this they look awful in the nether but they are an option if you want to lay down a bunch of leaf blocks you won't get anything spawning on those alternatively cover everything in wither roses ha ha um <laughs> the, the problem a very dangerous trip to your furnace room. <laughs> <laughs> it really does um but but nothing's going to spawn in them as of the next update so great uh no uh the the problem is always balance and exploitation when it comes to discussion of 
limiting mob spawning entirely. Uh, Mojang has recently been talking about the effort versus reward balance of things like AFK fish farms and zero tick plant farms and whatnot. Um, and what amount of effort players should have to expend in order to get certain results. And removing mob spawns permanently with a single block solution, like a beacon or something that we've suggested before, seems like um, the kind of thing that could be exploited very easily and the kind of thing that seems low effort, provided that players, you know, e even when players have expended a fair amount of effort to get there, they then have a permanent solution to mob spawning anywhere they want you know how do you stop players from then rushing the end game just so they can disable mob spawns and then how do you balance that with the kind of gameplay players want where there is occasionally some challenge in the form of mobs showing up how do you stop players from griefing with it on multiplayer servers if you you know you have somebody who's afk at a mob farm where they're hoping to get results you just pop down one of these you know magical beacons or whatever it is that blocks mob spawns in that area and the player comes back to find that they have no resources you know there are a bunch of examples sort of fringe examples really of how that kind of stuff would be exploited and and could potentially be used harmfully but i think the other thing is it is rare, I think. O overall, we, we think about this stuff a lot because we are in deep as far as Minecraft gameplay goes. We like being at endgame. We are technical players as well as long-term builders, and we want to be able to prevent mob spawns. But largely speaking, I think the average player is not going to benefit from this as much as you think. So it's the kind of thing that would only really come into play if you're building on the scale of some folks like hermitcraft or you know you're on a, a longer term multiplayer server where you you just have a project that you're sick of seeing mobs at that point so i don't i don't know how much use the average player is really going to get out of something like that um but it really has to be something that is balanced for effort versus reward which is is tricky i don't know how they would do it personally yeah no i i feel the same way about all the like all those single block solutions uh, but something that uh that death by koopa mentioned in their email did get me thinking uh the device needing to be fed had me think of how they have the respawn anchor now set up in 116 where you have to have glowstone going into it to activate it and then as you use it it diminishes the glowstone that's in it and then you have to add more and glowstone you can get it but depending on what level you are at the game it can be a fairly rare resource you know or at least require some effort to go get and i think again balancing out that effort versus reward thing uh i think the idea of constantly fueling a device that would stop spawns is really interesting to me because it adds a lot of prerequisites and infrastructure so you know, if you have this thing that is like, I don't know, the size of a furnace, or maybe it's bigger, I don't know, maybe you have to have a furnace with stuff under it, you know, like a beacon, I don't know. Um, but if you have to constantly be fueling that to keep the mob spawns away, that requires a lot of work. Like you have to either set up an auto farm that feeds into it. Uh, and depending on what that item is, is it all things that fuel it? Or is it only a specific type of thing? What if the specific type of mob that you want to prevent from spawning? So it's not all mobs. If you want to stop, you know, skeletons from spawning, maybe you have to sacrifice all your bones, you know, and feed it into this thing. And then you get no skeletons. You still get zombies. You still get creepers. Uh, do I want to burn all my gunpowder to keep creepers away? Maybe. 
I don't know. I kind of like gunpowder. <laughs> I find it quite useful. You know, so there's there's these things that would create a lot of effort and a lot of gameplay and a lot of fun puzzles uh, if a block or a feature in the game was if you burn or, you know, donate this kind of fuel to the game or to this block, then it will keep Mob X at bay. I can think of no better use <laughs> for rotten flesh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because we get so much of it. If you could start putting rotten flesh in this thing, even if it's just manually at the beginning, uh, you know, maybe it has a small radius. Like maybe you have to have these things everywhere. I don't know. I think that would be kind of cool. It starts to turn the the idea of if you really want these mobs to not be around, you kind of have to have this infrastructure. Almost like when you're playing a city building game and you have to expand your power grid. You know, like you kind of have to start putting these things in different places. Like, I don't necessarily think that a, a beacon range would be good, but like, I, you want it to be decent, but like, if you had one of these things like underneath your house or something like that, and you just know, because if you step outside that 25 blocks or more, I guess, because they don't spawn within 25 blocks of the player. But like, if, if you had a, a small range around your house that, you know, you could just go outside and be safe with, then that would be great. You know? And I think that if you built one of these things underneath you know your dark furnace room and you just knew that it was not going to spawn any things in that one room then that's great you know i just i i like the idea of it being fueled i think it kind of moves us towards a better balance of that effort versus reward yeah that's certainly something to consider i feel like and i i don't know how exactly that could be implemented but folks if you have any suggestions to add to that if that has sparked your imagination then, of course, you know the email address at this point, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com is where we would like you guys to write in with your feedback. And keep it coming. If it's feedback about the Nether update, we've got plenty of room for discussion before the update rolls around and actually gets here. So hopefully you guys will have some more thoughts to share with us in future. But that is where we're going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, And The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and gets us closer to our next milestone goal. Uh, Right now, we're kind of hovering on the cusp of the live recording goal and a monthly hangout at $500 per show, in which we would basically just hang out and shoot the breeze with folks in our Discord Uh, Outside of the context of it being a show, we'd probably upload them to the patron-only feed afterwards, but it'd be nice to just hang out and chat with our patrons talking about what they've been up to in Minecraft. We are currently at 175 patrons, which is up from last week. There is always room for more. And special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, Goody, Greener Canuck, JD Williamson, Yakov Nastin, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's 100% free. You can find us at these bunch chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the, by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends, server mates, and other places that you talk about Minecraft. Just poke a friend in the arm or shout from across the street and wave and say, hey, you should go listen to the Spawn Chunks. You can email the show at the email address, which is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe anywhere where you find your podcast that includes iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can also leave us a review. Uh, There is a new podcast store uh, or podcast app for the way that... uh, iTunes is, is rendering their podcasts out there. If you want to leave us a, a star review, uh, whatever star you feel is adequate, that helps us be discovered by new listeners. So again, 
no cost to you out of the couple seconds of your day, and it helps us bring in new listeners. The RSS feed is linked on the spunchunks.com, and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's the only place where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide, now in its third century at least as far as the episode numbers go uh i stream three days a week on twitch doing behind the scenes work for the survival guide and other series and i'm also the voice for the unofficial hermitcraft recap which you can find through a quick youtube search aside from that i'm at pixel on both twitter and instagram joel where can people find you online Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration portfolio and online store, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast at uh, thecitadelcafe.com. It's all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. And of course, you can find me at Joel Duggan on all the social media that matters. Uh, today, I'll put you towards Twitch, where I'm hanging out and playing Minecraft mostly. But we do dabble in some other games. Hint, hint, there might be a Lego stream coming up. And that's at twitch.tv slash joelduggan. Minecraft Dungeons when? <laughs> Hopefully sometime, probably not by next week's show, but the show after, I'm sure we'll be diving back into that one. Anyway, for now, thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and how much wood would a woodcutter cut if a woodcutter could cut wood? Mm.